Closing Shift Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is the Closing Shift Podcast, a basketball-related, though not exclusively basketball-focused podcast featuring Leaf Inouye and myself, Andrew Walker. Um, we are two good friends who love basketball and have sort of been developing our fondness for the game and specifically the NBA concurrently over the past couple of years. And we sort of thought of a silly idea, which is why not record some of our thoughts and send them out to our friends. So uh, we have no expectation that you should uh, throw away an hour of your day consistently to listen to us talk about basketball. But if you do want to, we would be extremely grateful. Um, Please, likewise, shoot us a note if you can come up with a more clever name than the closing shift. Uh, Leaf, do you want to explain to the good folks at home where the name The Closing Shift comes from? Definitely, definitely. Um, so The Closing Shift, the double entendre, um, refers to, I think, the closers in a basketball game, kind of the final squad to close out the game in crunch time. Uh, but also on a more personal note, and that is correct, right, Andrew? That's yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, on a more personal note, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, on a more personal note, Andrew and I uh, became friends um, through working at a coffee shop on Tufts campus called The Res, and uh, we worked a closing shift together. Um, was that the first semester or the second semester? Might have been both. Might have been both. Yeah, I think we might have requested it again for um, a round time. two. It was great. It was awesome. Um, I wasn't into basketball then, which is too bad. We would have had a lot of time, a lot of opportunity to talk about uh, basketball. Big time. It's, I will just say for the record, neither was I. I grew up playing basketball, but was not into the NBA at that time. I feel like we would have been talking about music during that closing shift a lot. So this is a, a new, a new um, frontier for us i think oh i didn't know that you weren't into basketball then as well not yeah not really following not really i mean huh. i mean so i was into it but the sixers right. sucked i mean they were okay into. okay yeah yeah. yeah 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 i see i see was there a period I, like were they ever good in your lifetime before now? oh yeah i mean i grew up in the iverson years so my oh. first memory is watching my first basketball memory is like watching iverson in the finals against the lakers the mvp season they were that was an unreal team. Dikembe Mutombo won Defensive Player of the Year. Aaron McKee won Sixth Man of the Year. Iverson was the MVP. Oh wow! It was it was unreal. Yeah, it's really funny. I um, I know so little about basketball prior to uh, the twenty fourteen season or no no twenty sixteen season. Sorry. Interesting. Uh, wow. So you didn't you weren't like you weren't going crazy when the Garnett Pierce Allen team won. I, you know, I remember watching the Lakers series, but, and I remember watching the comeback and that leaving an impression, but I definitely, you know, 
if they had lost, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. Whereas now, if that had happened right. again, uh, I, I would be pretty devastated, I think. Well, um, yeah. well just goes yeah. to show you that fanhood with sports is so malleable, you know? I think it really, uh, for anyone listening who is not into basketball and you're still this far into the podcast, um, <laughs> Just take that as a sign, folks. You know, there's always a time to jump on the gravy train with the NBA. You can always get involved. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Which is why, also, this is strictly a historical podcast that will be focusing on pre-2016. Um, <laughs> we'll only be going into the archive. Yes, yeah, it's, so. it's going to be uh, just lecturing on uh, <laughs> the 76 The 2001 season. season. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The biggest headline in NBA news recently is obviously the scuffle between the Rockets and the Lakers. Big time. Um, but let's back up quickly and just say for anyone who didn't catch the Lakers-Rockets game uh, on Saturday night, uh, close game really up until the end. The Lakers were, um, I think it was their home opener. So a lot of big energy in the room at the Staples Center, the LeBron era. Um, and the Rockets, of course, are, you know, they – they won 62 games last season. Um, a lot of question marks coming into the year, but generally they're obviously a powerhouse of the West. So needless to say, big game for the Lakers. And uh, Lakers honestly have, a, in my opinion, had a lot to be proud of from the game, minus what we're about to talk about, which is that around the five-minute mark of the fourth quarter, uh, James Harden goes in for a layup. There's a sort of questionable foul call. But before really anyone gets into the foul call, um, Brandon Ingram, a second-year stud for the Lakers, sort of unsolicitedly shoves James Harden pretty hard in the back. Um, Mm -hmm. And what ensues is um, a pretty ugly, for the modern NBA standards, post-Malice in the Palace, um, a pretty not great scene, given that some marquee players were involved. And there's been a lot of questions about sort of what precipitated what. It seems like um, Ingram's shove is really the first sort of major offense. Um, Then a accusation of spitting that Rajon Rondo spits in the face of Chris Paul. A finger in the eye uh, from Chris Paul to Rajon Rondo. A punch from Rondo. And then most egregiously, the consensus has been a sort of third party out of nowhere punch from Brandon Ingram. Um, so all in all three suspensions, Ingram, I think for four games, Paul and Rondo for less, all three were ejected, um, but pretty rough. And in, in terms of early in the season, um, I got to imagine that the league likes rivalry and intensity, but does not like this kind of behavior and punches being thrown. Um, from players but that's just a little overview Um, but so Leaf why don't you shed some light on some of the things you were talking about regarding reactions and the families (laughs) yeah so as you were explaining that I was doing a little uh, googling and also re-watching the clip as well and I'm curious to hear what you think whether it was a foul or not even but um oh sure uh yeah I guess Rajon Rondo's girlfriend was in the audience and uh 
as was Chris Paul's wife, Jada, and Rajon Rondo's girlfriend said something to Jada, and Jada <laughs> told Chris Paul, and I guess Chris Paul was screaming about it in the locker room afterwards. Uh, it was described as irate. Um, so Good God, spice. Talk about some spice. Definitely um, very dramatic, very dramatic. Anyhow, what, do you think, you know, looking at this, you're playing this now. Do you think it was a foul? Do you think that? Yeah. So here's, I, I, I've seen the clip a few times. I think it was, uh, I do think it was probably a reasonable thing to call as a foul. Um, mm-hmm. I know that there's the debate immediately after was sort of whether or not it was in, in the act of shooting. Right that seemed to be the kind of con- like confusion. But uh-huh. here's my question for you. And I think you have better, a better understanding um, than I would on this. I cannot for the life of me understand why Ingram could be frustrated enough to, to make that, to shove Harden like that. No, and I mean, I, that's, I, that's the big mystery. And I, do, I don't know. And that's why when you sent me that text, I, it, it was just so illuminating. I thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's what it is. Like there's some weird personal history with Harden's family. <laughs> For um, anyone for anyone listening, I sent Leaf a text I thought sarcastic enough, but clearly not, saying that James Harden had promised Brandon Ingram before the game that he would set up Ingram for a date with his sister. And that before the game, he last minute pulled the deal and that um, sort of sent Ingram over the edge. But that did not happen. That did not happen. <laughs> and what's sad is that I, I was um, ready to bail on this podcast tonight. We're going to do it another night because I'm just kind of tired. It's been a long weekend. Uh, but, Andrew, that voice <laughs> he got me so riled up. And I was so pumped to hear more that uh, I decided to rally for this. So, regardless, you know, whether it's true or not, I'm happy that uh, mm. it got us to this point. I think it's cool. I think we're all happy. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit, I mean, I guess, here's my question. Would you agree or disagree? You're Brandon Ingram on the Laker, against the Lakers. You've just come off a loss against Portland, and you're at home down by one in the mm-hmm. fourth against the Rockets. Don't you feel pretty good about how the game's going? I mean, just in that, in the, if you zoom out for a second, you would think, I mean, it's funny, You'd think if anyone were going to start this kind of shit, it would be the Rockets, right? I mean, they had a rough loss against the Pelicans. Everyone's talking about LeBron's in L.A. Are the Rockets going to fall? They lost in Bamute. They lost to Riza. And you're out here about to maybe lose to LeBron's Lakers. Like, I felt like the game narrative was shaping up for someone on the Rockets to do this kind of stuff, to sort of start drawing and... And so it feels really weird to me where that came from, that Ingram. I don't know if there was some chippy stuff happening between them beforehand. I know it's generally a frustrating experience to guard Harden um, Uh because he's, you know, he's getting these ridiculous calls, which you're going to see, you know, he had 36 points and a lot of free throws because that's his Mm -hmm. game. But anyway, I want to hear your take. I mean, what do you think emotionally could have triggered this for him and, did anything you watched or have heard since um, suggest a motive or suggest why he was so ticked off? Yeah, I haven't heard anything. Um, I don't think there's anything that's come out yet about it. I feel like everything with regards to Brandon Ingram is pretty 
he's just a quiet guy and he's never really in the media. So there's not much um, to go off of at all by way of like mm-hmm. context. Whereas if you look into Rondo and Chris Paul's history, you know, both of them kind of have a reputation for being competitors and right. um, can get pretty chippy. In fact, they have had, I think, I'm looking at it now, back in 2009, they had like an altercation. So it's not, uh, it's no surprise that kind of things blew up between those two. But yeah, no, the Brandon Ingram thing is super random, super weird. Uh, it reminds me, honestly, of, uh, I don't know if you saw this or remember this, but two years ago, Celtics in the playoffs against the Wizards, Kelly Oubre, um, uh, Kelly Olenek screams, um, Isaiah or something and Kelly Oubre runs into Kelly Olynyk, and it's like a pretty hard screen and Kelly Oubre hits the floor. Kelly Olynyk walks away and Kelly Oubre just charges him from behind and shoves him to the ground. And the look in his eyes was just like this crazed sort of. Wow. Do you remember this? No, I missed this. I, did, I okay. totally missed it. You should look it up. Um, it's nuts. It's nuts. It's like absolutely, uh, it's like the most um, kind of spontaneous thing. Hmm. Uh, that didn't really make any sense. Uh, and that's right. what it felt like to me. And what's, what's even weirder is that after Brandon Ingram shoves, um, shoves James Harden, who, by the way, I, I feel like is a pretty relaxed guy generally out there, like a pretty respectful player. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Again, like between Harden and Chris Paul, like I, I, I personally don't like Chris Paul. James Harden seems like a very kind of level-headed guy. Sure. Um, whereas Chris Ball's way more of an antagonist. But anyways, after shoving um, James Harden, he also, like, <laughs> like when the ref intervenes, right. it, looks, it looked like Brendan Ingram was about to attack the ref. It was very scary. It was insane. Right. Well, right. It's funny. It's, it's, uh, I saw that on first glance, too, as did, I think, the, the um, announcers. I forget who was calling that game last night. I think it was Van, Van Gundy and um, Weber. No, maybe not. I forget who was doing color. But someone noticed that he looked at first like he was, he was go- confronting um, John Phillips or whatever the ref's name is. Yeah. But then on the replay, they, they noticed that Harden was actually behind the ref. So, so um, Van uh, Gundy was, was saying that it, it actually is likely that Ingram was trying to confront Harden and that the ref was in between them. But either way, you've got a ref in front of you, not a player. So th- there's, there is some pretty questionable judgment about moving forward into a ref. Um, even if you're, that he, it's, your intention is not to intimidate him. But I agree, that did not, you know, either interpretation, the generous one or the one in which he's actually sort of, sort of physically confronting the ref, do not look that good for, for Brandon, Brandon Ingram's Definitely case. not, yeah. And, and James Harden just looked confused the whole time. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't think he's really trying to engage with Brandon Ingram. He just kind of stood there and was like, what is going on? Right. So uh, a few more observations from my end are just funny images from the scene are um, Carmelo. Carmelo uh, yeah. is, a, is a great image. Um, he's, he's jawing at, uh, talk about, you know, 
again, to your point, not sort of not made up, like doesn't have Harden's kind of level-headedness. Carmelo right. follows Brandon Ingram across the court um, to sort of jaw at him from, a, from sort of distance. And in some ways, probably Brandon, Ing- Brandon Ingram might have cooled off and not run in and thrown that punch if Carmelo Anthony hadn't been like in his ear for the 10 <laughs> seconds in between. Yeah. Um, the other image that I thought was really funny was Lance Stevenson Calling running. Yeah, right. I mean, just how fucking inverted uh, this whole idea is. Brandon Ingram's the cool-headed kid from Duke um, yeah. who has kind of gone berserk. And Lance Stevenson, who's this just totally firebrand-style player who, like, right. literally, you know tackled lebron james or i forget who it was uh yeah, jr like smith to the floor yeah. yeah right so that was sort of funny um, um yeah that was funny and the quote from lance stevenson is like don't let the rockets play their tricks on you or something just like very ironic coming from a guy who definitely definitely <laughs> intentionally antagonizes the, the people he's covering and tries to get them to right. kind of lash out like how uh ingram did um right. so sage words from from lance stevenson i guess no uh, doubt one familiar. one last little observation uh is just that uh if you need one image to show you how the league in some ways is the, the connections between superstars in some ways are more important than the connections between teammates. Yeah, yeah, LeBron. Chris pers- Paul is not being calmed down by a rocket. He's being calmed right. down by one of his best friends from his draft class, LeBron James. Right. They're right. in different uniforms. I mean, how, when on earth would you ever see? <laughs> you could go through all the archival footage from the NBA. There's not a single fight. I doubt there's a single fight where uh, the superstar from the other team is a calming presence for the right. superstar on the, on the opposing team. I mean, it's, it was pretty, pretty weird. I got to say, I think it was huge that LeBron James was on the court. I think that, like, also Carmelo would have maybe lashed out if LeBron wasn't there. Like, they're all kind of part of that same cohort, Carmelo and right. LeBron. And, <clears throat> yeah, he was, like, a stabilizing force, but it, it was weird. And you're, I didn't really think about it that way, but, yeah just like the loyalty across team borders um, between stars. And it's it's an interesting observation for sure. Yeah. Well, Um, yeah, I mean, you come out of this feeling like LeBron James is, not that LeBron was looking for PR, but uh, you certainly step away being like, wow, if we had any doubts about who the most sort of, moral calm you know i'm reading projecting more than is really there but mm-hmm. uh Carme- you know carmelo and chris paul as the sort of other lions of the court in that moment did not really show their true colors let's put it that way and i think lebron showed his true colors too totally um, that's a pretty stand-up dude i would say
my housemate just texted me milk and cookies in the kitchen if you want. Oh wow. So why don't you go over there? No, 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 no. I just I just wanted to put that out there on the podcast for the listeners. <laughs> um but is I, that I, uh, is that Gina? No, God no, of course not. Gina Yeah. What? No. It's definitely Anna. Gina. No 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 Anna. Oh it's Anna. No. Oh awesome. Well shouts to Anna, shouts to Gina. They're doing they're great stuff in that house. Um, great stuff we turned the heat on tonight because it's getting pretty cold uh it's always, kind of a, it's always kind of an interesting conversation um when you're chatting with the housemates and there's always one person who's like bundled up trying to argue to <laughs> keep things off like anna was wearing like a scarf and a beanie and a sweatshirt with like a vest and then like a jacket over the vest <laughs> like honestly like it's, it's a matter of priorities i guess i don't know <laughs> Yeah, so cold, and you have a guest staying here tonight who's like wearing two flannels because he's freezing. Oh, that's that's too funny. That's great. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Well, Sorry. I'm glad I'm glad your house has been heated. Um, so let's talk a little bit. Let's jump. Uh, I feel like it'd be it'd be useful um, for listeners who are unaware. Leaf is a huge Boston Celtics fan. I am a huge Philadelphia 76ers fan. Um, we have recorded some thoughts about the the opener uh, mm-hmm. last Tuesday, um, which maybe we'll share at some point. Um, but we're not going to double back to that right now. Uh, what we are going to talk about is our respective teams had very close games against some pretty bad opponents um Mm. on saturday night the celtics squeaked one out against the knicks by two points and the sixers at home played the magic and won by one point um so i think we'll share some takes from those uh two games respectively and leaf do you want to start with some thoughts about nick celtics who impressed you who disappointed you and why yeah totally uh nick celtics Impressed with a lot of Knicks players. Impressed with Tim Hardaway Jr. Mm. He's good. Yeah. He's good. And I thought he was good when he was on Atlanta, when he was on the um, the Hawks. I almost said the Falcons. The Hawks. Um, I've been following him for a while, and I've always really liked him. Um, and he put up, I think, 24 points maybe. Yeah, and- you got that right. And put up 30 points, I'm pretty sure, the previous night um, against whoever the Knicks played. I don't know the who Nets. it was. The, the Nets. Nets. The Nets. Yeah. Did they win? Did the Nets win or the Knicks win? Um, let me check. Pardon me. Uh, the Nets won. Oh, nope. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The Nets won 107 to 105. Yep. Damn. Um, Damn. But he played great, 29 points. Um, yeah, he was good. Um, so he impressed me. Burke, the Knicks guard, impressed me. Uh, mm-hmm. It's crazy to think that like a year ago he was in the G League and now he's starting for the New York Knicks. Right? Unreal. Granted, it's the Knicks and they're kind of in a development year right now. Um, but still, I mean, I think he's easily the one of the stronger guards on that team for sure. Um which is really cool. Um, Inez Cantor was kind of unremarkable. Actually, he was bad, I would say. Um, <laughs> for, a guy that, for a guy that led the NBA last year in offensive rebound percentage, wow. I felt like the Celtics were 
really kind of staying relevant in the game solely based off of second chance opportunities. Mm. Uh, and, you know, his cancer, it just goes to show that he wasn't as effective as he has been in the past on that end of the floor. And then him right. fouling out, him fouling out was probably pretty important, actually, considering that the game ultimately ended with yeah. a rebound, right? Like whoever Good pulls point. down that missed foul shot, he would have been useful there. Um, continue to be not super impressed with Kyrie. Mm. Um, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that for sure. Um, and then I'll close it out with, oh, Jalen Brown. I, I feel like there's something wrong. He just seems sluggish to me. Um, yeah. Elaborate more on this because you, you text, sent me a text about Jalen Brown feeling disappointed. It's been three games for you guys. What uh, do you – I mean, what – like, I know – I get the look, the eye test, but what else are you noticing that feels frustrating from him? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like his defense – he's, like, dying on screens on the defensive end of the floor, uh, mm-hmm. whereas previously I feel like he just hustled a lot harder. Um, and on offense, he kind of just hangs out in the corner. And maybe that's his new role as, like, a spot-up three-point shooter when – Tatum drives and is looking for someone to feed the ball to or draws a double or something, but, um, or Kyrie drives obviously, but um, he just, he's not cutting. And I think he's strongest when he's kind of, he does the most damage in the paint. And he's, hmm. he's, he's a good cutter. Um, he just seems off to me. He seems off. And I wonder if part of it is, you know, like, I worry that it's like him pouting in a way because of mm. all of the attention that Tatum is receiving. And um, I think that's got to kind of weigh on you um, mentally if you're, you know, Jalen Brown was the third pick in the draft the year before Tatum. Tatum comes in and is suddenly the face of almost the face of the franchise. Certainly right. the scorer so far this season and the most important player for us. Um, it just seems like Jalen Brown is getting overlooked a lot in all discussions about the Celtics, whereas, again, he was the third pick at one point and was definitely sort of the rising star. Um, and I'm just used to him being explosive, and I haven't seen it. And my friends have kind of assuaged me and said, you know, he's going to have a, a big game soon, and, and that'll kind of make things right and things will even out. Um, and I'm sure that'll happen. It's only been three games so far. But in terms of last night, yeah, I, I wasn't super impressed with him. Hmm. What was his line last night? Do you, do you happen to know? Yeah, I, I looked it up. He had, I think, seven points, four rebounds, and three assists. Jeez, um, yeah, that's not, that's not great. Again, like, maybe that's – maybe he's going to become kind of this guy that does a little bit of everything. When you look at Jason Tatum, he has, you know, like 14 rebounds and 20-something points and zero assists. Like, right. Uh, yeah, I guess maybe Jalen is going to be important in, in acting more as a facilitator than like a scorer. But I don't think that Jalen Brown wants to be that. I think he's, I think he's a pretty offensive-minded player. Sure. Uh, so well, well certainly that's. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's where he's shined, shined the most. I'm just thinking again about. PTSD from the uh, Eastern semis, conference semis last year, uh, Brown was yeah. very aggressive. I mean, he was aggressive 
against us. He was definitely aggressive aggressive against the Bucks as well. Yeah. Offensively, that is. Um, so, you know, uh, this is something we talked about after the, the opener, but the Celtics' number one, it feels like beating a dead horse, but the number one um, crease that has to be ironed out with this team is the psychological fit, the chemistry fit. Um, yeah. So all in all, you know, uh, Jalen Brown sort of being confused about his role and being a little sluggish is a relatively low stakes consequence when you look in the grand scheme of this team. Mm-hmm. Um, but is nonetheless um, indicative of something, right? You know, the phrase before the season was there's one ball, there's only one ball to go around. So mm-hmm. um, you not only have minutes limitations, but even if Jalen Brown's in the starting lineup, as we're seeing, um, you know, what is his actual role? How are plays being drawn up? What's the emphasis going to be? And right now it looks like the emphasis is, is on Tatum. Um, mm-hmm. Tatum is the core as the offensive mm-hmm. motor. So mm-hmm. that'll be something to pay attention to for sure. Um, yeah. Thoughts yeah. on thoughts on Hayward three games in, just a quick. Yeah. So Hayward three. didn't play, didn't play last night. Um, oh, okay. Uh, general soreness. So nothing to be concerned about. I think they're just being very cautious with him and taking it slow. Um, so he was out, which I think, yeah, I, I like him. I think he's good so far. I think that in game two, he was great. I trust him with the ball uh, more than I trust, like, honestly, Jalen Brown right now with the ball. Mm. Um, So I think things are looking good for him. Uh, A big improvement from game one to game two, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I I think uh, he looks... I don't know. He looks stronger and stronger and looked stronger against the Raptors than he did um, against us. That yes. in itself is uh, probably something um, to be happy about. He was um, he was uh, using his body more, right? If there was a mismatch, like if 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 Lowry was defending him, he was going at Lowry, which was awesome. Um, yeah, he just seemed a little more confident out there. Um, so. Yeah, he had a good game. He had a good game. While we're on the topic, just quickly before we jump into the Sixers, I do just want to say I'm really impressed with the Raptors. That's not a particularly hot take. They're 3-0. and They've beaten mm-hmm. you guys. Um, mm-hmm. And specifically, Kawhi looks like he's fit in really well with that team. Um, it's obviously not going to be, you know, we're three games in. There are going to be some, some uncertainties that arise without a doubt. But um, he really looks like his former self. I mean, the defense was outstanding against you guys. Yeah. Uh, offensively, you had his number a little bit. I felt like he wasn't um, lights out. But in general, I'm just I'm impressed. Uh, I'm impressed with the Raptors so far, and I, I do feel like they've they've early on made the statement that um, you know they're a 60 game, they're a 59 60 win team that just added a superstar. So stop forgetting us is kind of like the statement that I feel like. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was scary good. He didn't, he was scoreless in the first quarter, I think, uh, which was exciting for me. I was like, okay, I don't know why. (laughs) Um, But he just turned it on. He's so good from beyond the arc. He's also, he can just get to his spot at will. Um, I was really impressed. I was also really loving the him and Danny Green dynamic. I just think it's kind of a cool 
narrative yeah. the Spurs, and they were definitely uh, comfortable with each other. Danny Green was kind of his go-to guy on the Spurs, and now he's with him in Raptors. And Danny Green had a monster game. I think he was like three for four from deep, or maybe even more than that, honestly. Wow. Um, Bam. He was lights out, yeah. Um, and Kawhi was often the one who was feeding him the ball. And then Serge Ibaka had an amazing game, too. Like in, right. Like, Best game of his, his life. Um, he, Ibaka hit a three, which was uh, pretty astounding. <laughs> I, I know. Um, so yeah. Anyways, let's let's transition to 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 Philly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the Sixers beat the Magic last night. I believe 114 to 113 um, at home. Second home game. Sorry, 116 to 115. Um, Ben Simmons played, I think the entire first half, he might've exited slightly earlier than halftime, um, with back tightness. Uh, so maybe a notch up in concern from what you described with Hayward, but I think all in all, it's also just, uh, um, a caution around overuse. Uh, but that's at least what I've read so far that it's nothing serious. And was there an slot. injury or sorry, was there like a moment that triggered him to leave or did he just kind of decide I'm, I'm feeling a little off. I'm not going to come back into the game. I didn't notice uh, an acute moment. Um, I was in and out of the first half, watch most of the second and then just highlights. But uh, what I read is that he just exited um, without much that there was not a moment of like a fall or a twist or something, okay. um, but I could be wrong. Okay. Um but, uh, yeah, frustrating game. Uh, some outstanding play from Embiid, which was really nice to see. Um, 32 points. Uh, I don't know how many rebounds, but a significant amount. And then Redick was just outstanding. Um, I think he had 31 points and a nine three-pointers. Um, I think he actually might have set or tied a franchise record for three-point field goals. Um, he was absolutely lights out and almost all of them were coming on that, that screen that you've noticed, um, where he just kind of basically is moving around, cutting as fast as he can around Amir Johnson, Covington, or Embiid at the top of the key. And then is a quick release off the pass, catch and shoot. Um, that was his bread and butter last year. It's clear that he, whatever he does in the summers is um, effective because yeah. it hasn't taken him that long to get going. Um, what I would say is that it really suggests to me that he needs to be in the starting lineup. I am officially off the train of patience mm-hmm. as a Philly fan wow. with the experiment of starting Fultz. Um, I just, it's so when you're pulling out games against the magic by one point, um, granted Simmons isn't there for the second half, but it's like, it just is a reminder that you can't take anything for granted in the NBA. And the idea that you're going to start someone who the, the only reason you're starting them is, is for a psychological boost and not for a boost to your team. i like the Sixers are just, they're not the golden state warriors. It'd be like, in other words, like we don't have the leeway to be messing around with our starting lineup like that. Like it's just very clear to me that JJ starting is is far more valuable, um, and that Fultz will continue to develop even if he's coming off the bench. I don't understand why 
why second unit um, it is such a, if anything, sorry to rant here, but if anything, yeah. now that they've set the precedent unnecessarily so that he started the season as a starter, mm-hmm. when we move him to the second unit, it will mm-hmm. feel deflating. Which is like, <laughs> like that, as opposed to just starting him on the second unit until he's ready to be on the first. It's like everything about the decision I'm realizing retrospectively has me really frustrated with, with Brett Brown because um, it just doesn't feel like, yeah, it just feels um, misguided. And, and now we do risk actually, actually maybe um, harming his confidence a little bit if he gets benched. Um, yeah, I think so, that was an oversight. I feel I feel like they didn't really consider that. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, though, um, stressful watch. Uh, we were up ten with I think three minutes to go. Um, yeah. Some turnovers down the stretch. Uh, some bad possessions. I, I, it was frustrating to watch them sort of not close out the game, which just underscores their youth. Um, they don't have anyone in there like a Horford. Um, they don't have, um, I mean, you could argue Reddick uh, has as much uh, wisdom as a veteran, but is not sort of, you know, he's a role player. Right. Um, so I, they, they are young, a lot of the same flaws from last season feel like they're rearing their heads. Um, but generally just pretty, um, pretty unsure on faults. Um, and uh, a little bit concerned about, about Dario, um, but he, he got going a little bit in this game, um, which was good to see. Uh, but he's been pretty cold so far. So um, we've got the Raptors coming up, I think, in two games, um, which will be, you know, I'm expecting a loss. Oh, pardon me. We've got the Bucks coming up in two games. Uh-huh. Um, so that'll be, I think, an important game um, for a variety of reasons. But you had a thought it sounded like you wanted to share. Oh, I mean, I'm just looking at the box score for the game against the yeah. Magic. Yeah, J.J. Redick had a monster game. He had 31 points, 8 for 13, 3-point. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Ratio. Yeah, that's nuts. What's interesting, too, is that all of the starters had negative plus minus. Really? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Uh, and all of the bench players had a positive Plus minus, with the exception of Corkmaz, I don't know who that is. <laughs> Furkan Korkmaz, uh, of <laughs> of summer league fame, he he dropped forty six in a summer league game. No kidding. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Which cool. <laughs> he notched uh, he notched one steal and one rebound, which is uh, I, seven. I don't I don't want to sound like uh, I don't want to sound like I think all Middle Eastern people are the same, but I, I will say that I think Furkan Korkmaz is the Abdel Nader of our team. Uh, yeah, I see. I is see. Abdel Nader still on the Celtics? No, he's on. Oh, he's on the Thunder. He's on the Damn. Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> You knew you knew the Celtics were playing shorthanded last season when Abdul Nader was getting like pretty significant minutes down the stretch. You know, you know, I saw him live. I saw him play live. Really? I saw him and Gershon Yabusele play. Um, oh boy! The main Red Claws. Oh wow! How about that? That's your yeah. G League team. Yeah, yeah. It was it was really we should. Uh, well, you know, you're kind of far away, but it was black, super cheap, and like you're right there in this gym sitting in the bleachers, watching these guys play. 
And oh my god, they play in Kittery? No, it's in Portland. But but Nader looked amazing. Like I, he stood out. He he just seemed so smooth and confident, and it was nuts. It just really goes to show how skilled these players are in the NBA when right. you take out of the G League environment, put him in the NBA, and he is pretty dreadful. Right, uh, right, right, right. Right. Uh, speaking of speaking of uh speaking of you know rookies, yeah. uh Shamit is pretty good. I like Shamit a lot. I like Shamit a lot. He is a, a late first rounder out of Wichita State, great shooter. Oh. Um I've been glad to see his minutes increase uh over the first three games because he yeah. did not play very much against you guys. Yeah. Um I think especially right now with the questions around Simmons and um, Fultz with shooting, he's huge. I mean, he's just having a consistent shooter um, in that second unit, along with JJ, spreads the floor. Um, he's been getting some more minutes alongside Simmons too, which I think is great. Um, uh-huh. Like Simmons, uh, I think it was against the Bulls. Simmons just found him a bunch of times in transition um, because, you know, at – the best way to stop him is to sort of collapse in the lane, collapse mm-hmm. in the paint when he's mm-hmm. got the ball. And so he mm-hmm. finds shooters on the sides. And Covington and Sarge, um, not as consistent right now. Shamit looks good. He does. So I'm a fan. I'm glad you pointed that out. Yeah, I'm impressed. He was four for seven in that Bulls game. Um, definitely Stats caught mine. Yeah, I thought, I thought, he looked, uh, thought he looked great. So let's uh, – how about this? Why don't you give me one player on the Celtics, a similar Shamit-esque um, early so far in this first three-game stretch, who has sort of like stood out unexpectedly, uh, maybe a lesser-known Celtic who you're, you're happy um, with their play? Oh, man. Let me, let me look at the – thing with the Celtics is that the bench is so deep with good players that you don't really – honestly, I, the only player that could – be considered in the same realm as Shamit would be Yabuselli. Um, Interesting. In terms of in terms of players that have seen any playtime, right. uh, like Semi Ojale has not been good. He's okay. Incredibly inefficient offensively. Um, that's an impression. I yeah, I, I haven't seen Robert Williams yet. Our our uh, late right. Player. Some some questions with morale, right, or with uh, behavior? Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, he fell late in the draft because of his behavior. Um, so when we got him, it was kind of perceived as a like a steal because um, he's, he's, he's very talented. Um, but he then failed to show up for the first press conference, and then failed to show up for the first practice, and kind of just. Mm lived up to what everyone expected from him um and i think i think since then he's kind of locked it down he was good in the summer league um and he was dressed last night but he didn't he didn't play gotcha gotcha yeah i mean honestly biggest most noticeable player on the celtics has been jason tatum there's yeah anyone who did not catch uh highlights from celtics knicks Go take a look at how Jason Tatum at the age of 21 or whatever, 22, just mm. fades away, cold-blooded ice in his veins mm. to win that game. Uh, bodes well for the future of the Celtics. Um, 
one last take on my side of things. Uh, I love Luka Doncic's start. Um, he had 26 points against the Timberwolves last night, who fell again to the Mavs. Rough loss. Things are not looking good in Minnesota, as expected. That Luka. Yeah, yeah. Not uh, talk about. Yeah, I mean, if if they got involved in a scuffle right now, I don't know who the common presence on that team would be. Um, I don't think there exists one. It's a great point. Yeah, it would be like it would be like civil war. It would be like Jimmy Butler <laughs> suddenly turns on Kyle Anthony Towns. <laughs> right. The other well, team is separating. Is yeah. calming down. Yeah. yeah. Um, Leaf, any closing thoughts you want to share before we uh, take off for the night? Uh, yes. Uh, seven minutes and 49 seconds left in the fourth. Denver is up 10 points against the Warriors, 89-79. Wow. Wow. So I will be um, watching that. And, uh, uh, as you Jok- go to bed. Jokic notched a uh, triple-double last night. Uh, yes, I saw that. 30-plus points. Um, oh, my God. He 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 made a history in some really obscure and convoluted <laughs> stat. The second person to ever go thirty plus points on a triple double and make every single shot. <laughs> oh, okay, wow! Off of his left foot. Um, wow! How about that? What a great line! Thirty-five points, eleven assists, twelve rebounds. Well, yeah, Jokic. Um, I feel like the whole beef with him is, or the whole sort of um, letdown is just the being in shape and um, like the fitness, but, uh, but certainly playing great so far, um, which is good to see. Um, Well, uh, we'll be tuning in to the Warriors Nuggets and uh, I guess we'll probably be doing this again next week. Um, Like I said, if you have a clever name for this pod, please, shoot it to us. Um, we are grateful for any amount of minutes that you uh, can spare to listen to us. If you just want to jump around, if you really just want to listen to the intro music, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, this was the first go round of the closing shift. We, we hope you'll join us again for, uh, for a, a closing shift. Um, Sounds good. Thanks for listening. Listeners. <laughs> I can't see the floor until you've opened the door
Thinking today, what do you think about we try out the uh, the name, the closing shift? Uh, the cl- boo? You said boo? No, no, I said wait, 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 wait. Uh, what what is the name? The closing shift? Closing shift or the closers it. or the closers? I love it, Andrew. That is brilliant. 